Good morning. My name is Kathy Connor, and I'm one of the pastors here at First Pres, and it's such an honor to serve in that capacity. I want to remind us that worship is a place where we regain a sense of wonder, a sense of gratitude as God invites us into a bold adventure of faith. We hope that you will say yes to his invitation to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus, or to discover what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. If you are new to First Pres, welcome. And we invite you to go to the website after worship and fill out a connect card, which you can access by scanning the QR code that you see, and then it will take you directly to the connect card so that we might pray for you, encourage you, and just offer any answers to questions that you might have. We also invite you to share the service on Facebook so that others can also worship with us this morning. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting us into this day, but there's more. You're inviting us into an adventure of faith an adventure that is bold, risk-taking, where we begin to trust you more, lean into you even more, and thereby learn who we were meant to be, how loved and cherished we are by you, and how we then get to turn around and make sure that others know that they too are loved and treasured, cherished and valued. Lord, thank you so much that 
you invite us in such a way to join you in the impact, kingdom fruitful impact in the world with the gifts that you've given us, with the resources that we have, with all that we are, Lord. You use it all, even the good, the bad, and the ugly, the mistakes, the good stuff, the yummy stuff, and the hard stuff. You use it all in your kingdom to love people back to yourself. Thank you for inviting us into such a wild ride as that, that nurtures new hope in our souls, greater trust in the way that we walk out our lives. Lord, there are people who are weighing heavily on our hearts and minds this morning that need healing and need your goodness and grace. We pray for India Stallings' father, Norm, who underwent surgery on his foot this week, and we're asking for healing grace and that the rehabilitation uh, would be thorough and helpful and encouraging to him. We pray for Portia Solomon's niece, who is just 19 years old, Shania, in the hospital with seizures that they can't seem to identify. And we pray, Lord, for clarity and for help and for healing, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we continue to pray for Jackie Faircloth, asking, oh God, that you would stir in her such an expectancy of hope because it's you. You are her heavenly Father. We also pray for Sally Hill, now home from the hospital, for which we are grateful, but we ask, O oh Lord, that you would work with the physicians and others who care for her to continue to help her to heal. Lord, we also know that there are people who are grieving, some who are just lonely, some, Lord, who are just suffering in fear and anxiety because of COVID-19, or because of econ economics, so many things, Lord, that are bombarding the hearts of people we know and love. And we know that you and you alone can lift that burden in such a way that we can walk in joy in the midst of it all. Oh, Jesus, you are truly amazing. Even as we sing that you are amazing, Lord, help us to believe it, help us to stand on it, and help us to walk out of here different because of your amazing grace. Amen. Good morning, church. Let's stand up this morning.
are thanking God for the newly elected class of elders for 2023. They are pictured here, McLean Murphy, Roger Pierce, Danielle Mackey, and Burton Tuttle, who are serving Jesus and us by serving on the session, which is the governing body of our church. They are demonstrating sacrificial leadership amongst us. And get this, there are 20 more in the pipeline of leaders that God is calling into the future. So we are celebrating the gifts of leadership. I also want to thank all of you for all the ways that you have been so generous Christmas after Christmas for all of these groups and individuals. You have been generous with created a ministry that reaches women exploited and trafficked in the sex industry by filling their wish list so that they might come to know that they are treasured, valued. You have been fulfilling the wish list of the Angel Tree, which is for foster kids in Hillsborough County. By doing what you've been doing all these years and again this year, you're making sure that every child can be a kid and that they know they're not forgotten. You also have the opportunity to sign up to serve at the Metropolitan Ministries Holiday Tent. And then finally, on the first Saturday in December, once again, yet out on the sidewalk, we're going to serve our friends and guests who are homeless with a, an invaluable Christmas party that morning, we need your help so that they too know that they have not been forgotten. Not only will you be bringing prepackaged snacks and treats and things to fill gift bags, we're going to create a table where they can write thank you notes and Christmas notes and cards to family members and friends for whom are far away. This is a chance to really express the hospitality of Jesus to these men and women and to all these children as well. So go to the website to learn more and sign up and be a part of all of this. Also, in the spirit of thanksgiving, let's do what we enjoy the most, the gift of the fact that we have each other. So we're going to celebrate that fact by having a first prez Kona Ice Snow Cone event this coming Wednesday, and it will be from 4 to 6 p.m. at Palmasia Park, just off McDill Avenue. And we'll do it in a COVID safe way. We want you and your kids and friends to just come and join in the fun. Finally, I have the privilege and honor of introducing to you Mallory Curtin. Mallory loves Jesus, she's a CPA. She's the mother of two little girls who are amazing. She's a wife of an awesome husband. She also happens to be the chair of the First Pres stewardship team. And she does all of that with humility and faithfulness as God has gifted her so exquisitely. From a distance. Thanks, Kathy. Can you hear me okay? Um, so as Kathy mentioned, I head up the stewardship committee at First Pres, and um, to give you a little bit of background on that, the stewardship committee is um, focused on a few objectives. So some of that is um, monitoring giving trends for the church, others is um, encouraging biblical generosity amongst all of us, and then lastly, reporting back to you the financial performance of the church. So generally, when we do um, financial performance updates, we've provided those oftentimes to you through distributing some of those um, pamphlets or, um, that come with you in the pews on Sundays. But in light of COVID, we're not doing that as much. So we've been trying to think of different ways of reaching you. So last month, we sent you a financial update through snail mail and um, to provide you with an update as of the end of Q3 or September 30th. And so today and next month, we'll provide you with some live updates in church so that you can monitor along with us the progress of the church during the year. So as we know, 2020 has been a challenging year physically, emotionally, financially for many of us. And um, just we are so pleased with the generosity and um, sincerely grateful for that continued support from each of you during this year. It's been uh, um, a tough year, but we are very pleased with where um, how the church has been faring despite all those headwinds. So thank you um, sincerely for your support. Um, I'll take you through some of the performance during the year. So as this is as of October 31st, and you'll see that 
um, giving and grants through the year are at $699,000, and then um, our expenses are slightly in excess of that at $721,000. Um, this is in line with um, what we had originally budgeted for the year, so not overly, um, this is just in line with our expectations. You'll see that there's a $22,000 deficit, and that is um, something that we c would expect to um, see flip into a gain towards the end of the year. Generally, Q4 and specifically December are our highest giving period, so we do fully expect that to turn into a gain with um, the continued support of all of you throughout the year. Um, on the next slide, you'll see some of our giving trends. So this is as a committee what we monitor very closely during the year, and um, want to call out a few things here. So in in 2019, you'll see that number was at 743, and that is exclusively um, generous gifts from each of you. Um, in 2020, that 699 number, although um, slightly trailing the prior year, it does include, I want to make sure that we're um, calling attention to the things that we are monitoring, and one of those items is that there was a significant one-time grant during 2020 that really helped us. It was instrumental in um, achieving some of that performance that we showed on the prior slide. So um, overall, like I said, we're we're really pleased with how things are trending during the year. We're um, very optimistic about how we'll continue to perform for the remainder of the year. So thank you. Next month, we'll provide you with another update, and we'll also, um, during that time, try to provide you some insight into how your gifts are um, so being so wonderful and impacting our church and our surrounding communities where we connect and serve. So thank you so much. Let's stand as we continue to worship this morning. Here at First Press, we want to remind you, you can continue playing, it's okay. Uh, we want to remind you and encourage you that you serve and we worship a God that is our way maker. He was a God that made a way and made a path through, through the waters. He made waters come from a rock. Cares for his people and he continues to care for his people and that is even true today because that is who he is so let's worship him for how good he is this morning and continues to be in our life
Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I can't help myself. I'm a terminal extrovert. It is just so great to be with people. And you who are online, I love you too, but I can't hug you. And I'm not hugging anybody in here. Well, anyway, it's just really, really good to be able to be together this morning. I want to take you to take a look at the image that's on the wall. You'll notice that it's portraying a Thanksgiving meal. And we're going to have a couple of, we're going to have fun for a couple of weeks talking about impact, talking about legacy. And we're going to think about it generationally, generationally, because that's how thoughtful, careful people think about everything they do in life. But here, notice we have portrayed in the middle of this generational impact, portrayed right in the middle of it is gratitude. You can see a turkey in the background. It's browns and oranges, so we're not going to Christmas yet, though I violated all of the protocols, this is Christmas Santa Claus golf socks, because you may know there's a golf tournament happening today. The Masters, some of you, some of you know that, right? There you go. Look what we have here in the, in the picture. You see three generations, and what's happening is what all of us are going to do in 10 days, 11 days, we're going to have a meal together with our families in some way, shape, or form. You may actually put a computer on your table to be able to have a meal with somebody in some other part of the country because we can't all be together. I'd invite you to consider whatever you need to do to connect. But notice what's happening here. Grandparents, parents, children. What kind of a generational interaction will you be having Thanksgiving? For us, for Kathy and me and our family, it's not three layers deep, it's four. Because Kathy's parents are a part of this church, they're very alive. And then you got Kathy's mom and dad are off in June. And then you got Kathy and me, and then you got our two children and their families. And then guess what they have? They have their own shorties. So we have four generations stacked up on top of each other. And one of the things we want to do is be aware of how we impact each other and everything that's important in life. But to be more specific, we want to talk about us today as a family. How are we as a family of faith, this family, the church of Jesus, and particularly our church, First Pres, how are we having an impact? How are we having making a difference? And what we're seeing is the celebration. I want to talk today about your money. And I, I, this is not about what Mallory was doing. What Mallory did, by the way, was celebrate. I hope you caught that. I hope you can see gratitude growing out of your heart about God's goodness in the world. And the next thing you know, you make gifts. And you make gifts with your money. Yes, you use your time and you use your gifts and abilities in the sense of talent. But really also the third thing that's really important is that you are finding a way to give your money to things that matter and make a generational difference. Leaving a legacy. Friends, when a family of faith operates in a city, in a community, oh, we're making generational difference. Notice how many families are stacking faith on top of faith inside the family itself. Think about your own. The most vital thing we can do is find our lives, our money, our time centered around advancing the heart of God in the way that Kathy prayed when we opened, that we want to go deep in our faith with God, but we also want to reach people who don't know that they're loved and introduce them so they can discover that they're loved by Jesus Christ. That's the generational impact that the family of faith, the church of Jesus, in whatever name or shape or form, in whatever city, in whatever country, what we're doing is we're on the mega mission, the mega why. Why are we wanting to have a generational impact? It's because that's what God is about. And what's really great is to see it happening in this church and to watch you pass your faith on to your kids and to watch you give generously of everything you have, your time, your gifts and abilities and talents, your financial resources, to watch you use those in our city. Notice the four things that Kathy mentioned, for instance. You're going to get the, you're, I took a picture of it, you're going to go to the website, and you're going to go get stuff to help. 
And if you don't think it makes an impact generationally to have a woman who's trapped in that industry get out because guess what amongst other things she's probably has some kind of addiction issues she probably also has children and when we engage it changes everything for that family when we do what we do it created and you're a part of that you're a part of that when we do this together so what we're going to talk about we're going to talk, we're going to demystify, we'll continue to do it. We're going to demystify conversations about how followers of Jesus manage their money. I'm not a financial expert, and I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. This is not about fundraising for the budget of First Presbyterian Church. That's a totally different thing. It's got nothing to do with that. This is about how God made you and me to need to be a part of the generational impact of the way we use our money to align with God's heart and mission. That's what we're talking about. It's about three key themes that we're going to talk about today and next week. And the three key kind of ideas in the text that we're going to see are obedience. And then secondly, we're going to talk about gratitude. And finally, we're going to talk about generosity. And we're going to see that those three things are inextricably. How about that word? Inextricably. You know what it means? It means interwoven. It means can't be separated, can't be pulled apart. Obedience to God, responding out of generosity, uh, responding out of gratitude to what, for, to, for what God has done, God has given. And the next thing you know, gener generosity breaks out. It becomes a part of us. That's what we're going to kick around. And let's just demystify it. Let's be, oh, you talk about money every day. All of us do. And let's talk about it in here. There's no guilt. There's no shame. We're not here trying to make anybody do anything. That's not the purpose of the family of faith. What we want to do together is celebrate how God makes things different in our lives. And the next thing you know, we see cool stuff happening, and we're a part of it. If that doesn't make your heart sing, and of course it does. And I know we all want to be generous. Yes, we do want to be generous. So we're, we're going to see that what God is asking us to do is trust. And we start with obedience. But let's read this text together. It comes from that unbelievable, that phenomenal Christian leader, Christian thinker, Christian promoter, the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul writes to his trainee. The man's name is Timothy. And Paul writes to Timothy, and he's teaching Timothy how to teach the people that God has put in Timothy's charge. Timothy is the pastor of a church in Ephesus. It's right in the middle of modern-day Turkey, what you would call Asia. And Timothy, Paul, and also lots of people started talking about Jesus in that city. And the next thing you know, the Jesus followers began to meet together like we're doing here, and they met in small groups, and they did things to help people in the community. It's what you call a church. And Timothy is the lead dog in the church, and Paul is coaching him. And he's writing him a letter. And Paul writes these words to Timothy. Just three verses. That's all. Watch them. They're really fantastic. Timothy, command, this is in chapter 6. Timothy has six chapters and we're in the last chapter. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but urge them to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them, urge them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And here's what happens. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So let's talk about these details in a, in a little bit more verse by verse. Let's go to verse 17. Timothy, command. Now the word command there is just one English translation. It's parangelo is the Greek verb. It means urge them. Timothy, engage with them. And Timothy really probably can't say jump and they're going to go all oh, how high on the way up. He probably doesn't have that kind of authority, but he does have authority. And Paul is saying, this is the best way for them to live, Timothy. So get on it and stay on it. Continue and urge them 
So there's that linear action in what Paul is saying to Timothy. Don't ever quit, Timothy, talking about these vital, vital issues. He says, urge them, Timothy, those who are rich in this present world. And there you have the word rich used as an adjective to define people. So one of the things we want to do now, remember, we're going to demystify money. Let's stop and talk about what it means to be rich. Because many of you are saying, well, what does rich mean? And here's one funny way of saying it. Rich means I wish I had as much as they have, and it's about 20% more than you have. And all of us can say, well, if I just had this much more. But it just I did a little research. Just in Tampa, okay, you with me? And statistics, I realize, are boring, and they can be made to mean anything. So I, this is what I did. I looked at per capita, which means per person, and I looked at median family income, and I looked at median household income, and it gets kind of confusing, and I'm not a sociologist. But the number I found that I thought might be helpful, just as a general idea, the, the average family income in your city, $70,000, give or take a couple of bucks. So I'm just going to repeat that. This is the number I found. You can go Google it yourself. I, I Google per capita in Tampa is what I Googled. And I found all kinds of stuff with all kinds of statistics. I don't know. I know we're in the ballpark here somewhere. It's close. The average family income, $70,000. Now you ask yourself the question, are you rich in comparison to that? It's not a judgment. It's not a critique. It's not bad, it's not good. But we're wanting to know, well, who is Paul talking to? And my, under, what I'm trying to say is, I think he's talking to most of us. If you get on an airplane, and you go with Kathy, and you land in Kilimanjaro International Airport in Arusha, Tanzania, and you get off that airplane, within 60 seconds, you realize that you're real, real, real rich. Now. I'm not trying to be moralistic here because you don't live in Tanzania. You live in Tampa, right? But the point is, it depends on your context. And our context, friends, please don't exclude yourself from thinking Paul is talking to you because you don't feel rich. I know you don't feel rich. That's, that's probably how we all feel. Some, some know they really are wealthy by anybody's standards. But most of us have a very good living. Most of the people in this meeting right now most of us. Some, some are struggling. Yes, of course, some people in our church family live on fixed incomes. But many of us, many, many of us are way past a family average of 70000 a year. And again, this is not, as we, as we read, it's being rich in good deeds because we're generous and we help people. That's what it's about. It's not about how much. It's about why. The mega why is what am I supposed to be doing with what I've been given? So we had to stop and make sure we talked about that. And again, we can talk about money every day with all kinds of people, and let's just keep doing it. It shouldn't be something, in a, in, as parents, I want to recommend to you, demystify several things if you're raising children. Demystify conversations about money. Demystify any conversation about human physical intimacy. Demystify conversations about the use of alcohol and other drugs demystify the, any conversation about relational tension. In other words, make them a regular, ordinary part of our everyday conversations where we're loving and trusting and humble and grace-filled. Don't make those things that are so difficult to talk about that everybody's nervous when it's drama when you do it. And that's what we want to do now. Take all of the drama out and just be honest. God doesn't, I, the church doesn't want anything from you. The church wants something for you. It's about Jesus and generosity begets more generosity it begets satisfaction it begets peace and that's what God wants for us I just want you to be aware of something God don't need our money period it's about what we need God doesn't need it God owns it all God made it all and God has given richly as we read to you and to me so so there we, we just demystify a little bit I read through the passage and I wanted to say this sort of as another pause Having been in a meeting, two or three meetings this week with folks kicking this passage around, some of these ideas, one person very insightfully said, after reading through that passage, said this, I'm sick and tired of rich people getting picked on. <laughs> and so then we laughed. And then another person, notice what's underneath that. So see, God keeps saying to us, and I'm suggesting that most of us need to think of ourselves as rich people. 
Why does God keep talking about it? And it's because of what the next person said after that comment. And the next person said, if you read the passage, and we all did, what the passage is saying is the love of money is the love of a pagan God. It is not the authentic covenant love of the God Almighty of the universe who we know in Jesus. So if we're in love with our money, we're not in love with Jesus. And why does the Bible keep talking about money? It's because it's the number one temptation. We need the help. But it's not about judgment. And God is for us, not against us. It's about God, but it's for us to be told, learn to be generous. Because it's how God made us. It's how the universe works. And so we keep going through this passage and we see that great word, rich in this world. And we wonder what, whether or not we are, and I'm suggesting yes and then look what it what else it says be rich in this present world don't be arrogant about it and here notice this next, or next phrase don't put your hope in wealth so we've had the word rich describing people and now we've got the word wealth two times the same word showed up already in one verse don't put your hope in wealth which is so uncertain duh do you feel any uncertainty in your world right now is it been unbelievably difficult, all of it? Now, not all of it is driven by money, but how much financial uncertainty have we all felt? The angst of what's been going on and what is going on. Many, many, many of us have ourselves felt it or we know people or care of people in our families who've been crunched financially by what's happened in 2020. What a year. If there's not evidence of the uncertainty of these worldly things from 2020, I don't know where you're going to get evidence. It's so uncertain. And here's, here's one of the things I observed. This morning I was walking my beautiful little seven-pound Shih Tzu. She's fantastic. Her name is Tally. And I was walking Tally, and up comes a woman walking two, her two Shih Tzus, and I've never seen her walking in them, but I've seen her husband. And we, every time we meet the little Shih Tzus, I, I always wonder, do they know that they're both Shih Tzus? <laughs> so there they are, sniffing each other. They're just all fantastic. And I said to her, because I'm terminally happy, I guess, I said to her, good morning, how you doing? She said, you want the truth? <laughs> well, I guess I do. <laughs> she said, I'm exhausted. And she meant it. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. And if we let uncertainty take over, then we find ourselves trusting in something other than the only thing that's certain in the universe. And that certainty is the love of God, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever it's the same forever that right here in Paul's words about the, the age that's coming Jesus is always the same and oh it's no fun not having when when you're in real financial trouble I'm not saying that's not difficult absolutely it's horrible but all of that's always going to shift the thing that isn't going to shift Timothy tell them Timothy Paul is saying that put their hope in the God of the universe and notice what happens it says next this is going to be the third time the word rich shows up. Who richly provides? You know what that means? It's all from God anyway. It's all a gift. Everything is a gift. Your life, your family, your job, your house, your vacations, your time, your gifts, your talents, your intellect, your college degree, your business, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. All of it is a gift. God has given, notice the word, richly. It's the third time the same word has shown up. And we're still in one verse. Rich, those who are rich, describing them, don't put your hope in your riches, the stuff, because God who had, gives richly. So we've gone from, we're gone now to gratitude. What Paul is saying to Timothy, to tell Timothy's people is, it's all a gift from God, so celebrate it. It's a rich God, beautiful image in the Psalms, the God who is the owner of the cattle of a thousand hills. It's a Hebrew way of talking about the hugeness of God. 
And notice this last phrase, richly gives us everything. And notice we have this fantastic prepositional phrase in here, for our enjoyment. Did you know that was in there? Did you know that you're being encouraged by the God who gives richly to, amongst other things, enjoy God's rich gifts? That's, there, this is not, I'm going to hit you with philosophy, this is not platonic dualism that says that the real world is really the idea and the physical world is substandard and not good. If I lost 99 out of 100 of you, that's okay. But if one of you caught it, that's all right. This is what we're saying in the whole Bible is the physical universe is meant by God for you and me to take care of and we're supposed to enjoy it as we take care of it and it is in the very taking care of it that the enjoyment comes. It's in the generously giving, being rich in good deeds when we do things generously to help others. That's where the enjoyment comes. Now, does that mean I get to enjoy watching those people hit those golf balls on that course later on today? You better believe it. Have you ever been to Augusta National? Oh my gosh, it's magnificent. So yeah, I love my stuff. But you know, stuff is a fantastic servant. It's a horrible, treacherous master. And the friend Thursday said it. If we love our stuff, we're loving a pagan. It's not the God of the universe. It's the stuff. And it will always, always disappoint us. Stuff will. Always. And we'll always end up discouraged and disappointed and disconnected. And that's not what Jesus is wanting us to do and that's not what Paul is telling Timothy to do so let's look at verse 18 urge them okay so remember we have people who are rich who are told don't put your hope in riches that's the second time of the word rich third time is um, how God has given which is richly and urge them to do good to be rich Verb, be rich in good deeds. So what Paul is telling Timothy to tell you and me is that the way we work our way through this is to be good at doing good, and then we get a little more definition of being good. What does being good mean? It means to be generous and to be willing to share. So Paul is saying this is not about us. Friends, I'm here to tell you, in the Bible, if you get into the mind of Paul, if you get into the mind of Jesus, it's not about you. It's not. It's not about me. It's for us, but it's not about us. That's so freeing. You're at peace. It's not about you. Yes, it's for you. But it's about the almighty loving God and our participation with God and God's phenomenally awesome plan to go love everybody the way Jesus loves us. And a bunch of those people were loving the way Jesus loves us. They don't know they're loved. Oh, Jesus' heart breaks for the people who don't know him. In fact, he sends us. Now, you love everybody. You don't get to pick. And some of the people you love are also loving Jesus the way you are. But some of the people Jesus wants you to love don't know they're loved. And that's how God wants us to make sure we have everything lined up, including our money. But it's still, God doesn't need the money. What he needs is for you and me to surrender. He wants our hearts. And so it's about being obedient. We're being told to give. And so what happens is we be, we're told to give and we go, oh, I don't, I don't like that. And then we do it anyway, and then we think, well, we dash in a little gratitude. You go, wait a minute, I think, I think Paul might be right. It, is, it has been richly given, and so we take a deep breath, and we, we thanksgiving with, with gratitude, and you have a list of things for which you're thankful that you make in your mind or you carry it in your pocket or on your phone. And then the next thing you know, ah, this thing happens where we give. It's about, we call it here at First Pres, and we're not the only ones, Christians all over the planet, we call it biblical generosity. And what it means is we respond to God's, God says, give, Timothy, urge them, command them to give. And we resist it, like you just resist everything you're told to do, like I do, like a stubborn child. And then we do it, and the next thing you know, oh, am I not glad I did it. How great and I'm more at peace. Now, some reality. It's just, just some reality about most Americans. Maybe it's true for you. Many of us, the statistics say, spend, listen to this, 
more than we take in. So we, we, we spin our ways into having no margins. And I'm not, this is not going to turn into a financial workshop here. It's just a dynamic that's a part of the, our culture. And we're overspent. And so we're struggling. And you want to be generous. And I want to be generous. But to, to say it the way many people say it, I've run out of money before I've run out of month. And so we just don't have it because... So here's what Paul is going to tell Timothy to tell the people in Ephesus and what we hear. Here's the way you do it. Give, save, live. Three words. Three syllables. Twelve letters. Give first. Save second. Live third. If you give and then you live, I mean, and then you save, then you got the rest to live on. And there's no rule here. It's a journey. There's nobody going to say, well, are you giving? Now, we have a number that we've been given. The Bible uses the term tithe. And what that means is tenth. And so what Paul is saying to Timothy, what Timothy is saying to us is, it's all a gift from God. If somebody just walked up and handed you $10,000, and they said, this is it. you got $10,000. I want you to give 1000 away. You get to keep the rest. You'd be going, yeah. Here's what happened to Kathy and me. You ready for this? So I'm a little uncomfortable talking about this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Kathy and I have received, my mom died, I'd rather have my mother alive, but my mom died and we received and are receiving some money, an inheritance. And it's substantial. It's not generationally life-changing or anything like that, but it's a, it's a chunk of change. Now, Kathy and I, by the grace of God, I was, was a little boy in the sixth grade, I started working, I bought things after I had saved the money to pay for them. By the grace of God, I've never had any medical issues. I pay my bills every month. We don't have any debt other than car and house. That's just our life. And it's just, simple. My, I was, it's just how I was raised. I was raised to buy stuff when you had the money to buy it. And I just simply have never been in debt. Occasionally, I get a little behind, but not really never. I'll, just never. One time, I couldn't make a tax payment. Once. And that's not, I'm just telling you, it's the grace of God. So I, I had no plans for ever having a dime other than what Kathy and I earned and saved. And we're in, we're in good shape, Kathy and I are, with respect to that. And all of a sudden, out of the blue comes this gift. And the first wave is coming. There are two more, I think. And so I want you to know what I did with it, what we did with it. We gave a big, huge chunk of it away immediately. And you know why? Here's why. It doesn't matter how much. But what matters is why. It's because we get to watch. We're going to get to watch it have a generational impact. And we already can see it. And we're going to keep giving out of this. As it comes, we're going to give. And it's going to be great fun. Don't try to stop me. And it'll make, we'll have a little fun with it. Like we're going to take a family vacation that we otherwise wouldn't have taken and I almost, yeah, it's just going to be kind of, it's kind of crazy. I just didn't think about this. This is so just not a part. But I'm, I'm almost in tears thinking about what this means because we get to watch, and by the grace of God and by the goodness of God, I'm in a position, we're in a position where we could just do what we did because I'm not rebuilding my life around this. It's not it at all. And so we're getting to make a difference. And people made differences in our lives 40 years ago. And I'm just paying it forward. And the why is because in our case, we don't want to wait and be dead and hope something happened. I want to watch it happen. And I already, and Kathy and I get to watch and celebrate. I wanted you to know that because I want you to know that this thing about giving is something that's really different in me than 10 years ago. Now, Kathy would tell you I've always been generous and I'm in charge of the checkbook, and I am. But what I have learned to do is just give it and celebrate it. And so when I have a gift that comes in on my credit card statement, I just look at it, and she doesn't look at the credit card statements. In fact, Kathy, I hate to say this about you, but you don't know how to get online to the credit card statement. That's okay. That's okay. So I, I need, you know what we need to do? We need to have a monthly meeting, and I can show you. So I get to celebrate. And so there's money leaving us to go to create it. Generational. 
impact. There's money leaving us to go to Young Life in Tampa, suburban, Young Life in Tampa, urban, Young Life Africa, and on it goes. Uh, a, a huge chunk of what Kathy and I do with our giving comes to First Presbyterian Church. But there's all these other really fantastic things that make a generational difference. And so what you and I are being challenged to do is we're being challenged to be obedient. We're being challenged to be grateful. And then what happens after that is we burst into generosity. I want to finish this way. I want to ask you a, a question. You come into church and this is what we do. We celebrate, and we, we celebrate the goodness of God. We celebrate God's presence in our life in the world, God's miraculous work in the world. We connect with God and with each other, and here's what else we do. Celebrate, connect, challenge. I have a challenge for us, and the challenge comes this way. It's, there's, I'll contrast it with, a, with, a tough, with an easy conversation. If someone was to speak to me, show me fits, how to use my money for God's kingdom. I would say I'd listen carefully, and that's kind of easy. Here's a tougher question for all of us. We ask this of each other as brothers and sisters, as a family, and it's the mega question. You ready? Why do you think God gave you all of this? Why? Did God give us richly, give us riches? I want to invite you to wrestle with that. I'll wrestle with it. I promise you I'll continue to do so. With your spouse, with your parents, even with your children. Why did God do this? And the answer is because God wants you to be obedient in gratitude and become generous. But we each have to work it out. And one last thing, it's an ark. It's a destination. It's a journey. And no matter where you are on it, it doesn't matter. The mat what matters is, will I surrender to the Almighty God of the universe? There is Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul. There is now no condemnation for anyone who lives in Jesus Christ. No condemnation. This is not about guilt. This is not about measuring. This is about grace. Just be where you are and bump it. I promise you you will experience the peace of God which surpasses all human comprehension. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, we may resist at every turn when we want to start thinking about these vital things that are so personal and so intimate. And yet we, we want to be able to talk about it because we want to surrender to you. We want to be people who, because of you, can think about why you've given us all of this in our context as people with a lot, most of us. And what is it that you want us to do? Why'd you do it? And gracious God, our answer wants to be to line it up with your kingdom, to line it up with your purposes, to have it be a servant to relational, to an explosion of relational Jesus love. That's why. But help us, no matter where we are, to tell the truth, to be where we are, and to figure out how to give and then save and then live. Help us, gracious God, to be your loving servants. We respond in gratitude. Thank you that we have the unbelievable good news that comes in the form of Jesus Christ, who richly gave everything so that we might have life. Thank you, gracious God, that you want to make us generationally impactful. And it goes on and on and on. We pay it forward because we want to be a part of what you're about. And we want to set our own selves aside. Thank you, gracious God, that we get to love each other right where we are because you love us right where we are. But you'll never leave us there. You'll always challenge us lovingly, gracious God, and in connection with you. All this in the name of Jesus, the greatest giver ever. Amen. Friends, with this great music, I want to invite you to stand and sing. And there will be no ushers, and we're just going to stand and sing. So do that and enjoy it.
guys have a great week. We'll see you next week.